Welcome back to the Polyglot Developer Podcast. This is episode number 11, and I'm your host, Nick Raboy. This episode is going to be all about continuous integration and continuous deployments. And with me, I have none other than Ivan Nemichenko from GitLab. We're going to discuss all the great things that you can do with continuous integration and deployment and why it's so beneficial for every developer to use in their application workflow. If you'd like to follow Ivan on Twitter, his Twitter handle is INEM, so I-N-E-M, so his first initial and then part of his last name. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, my Twitter handle is nreboy, which would be my first initial, Nick, and then my last name, Raboy. With that said, enjoy the show. Hey everyone, I'm here with Ivan Nemichenko, and we're here to talk about continuous integration and deployment. But before we get into that subject material, I want to give Ivan a chance to introduce himself. Uh, hello, Nick. Uh, I'm glad to be here. So you can call me a Ruby developer. Uh, I've got I've got my first paid job a uh, long time ago, in 2002, and uh, I switched to Ruby language in 2006. Then I started freelancing, and actually I've been doing a lot of different stuff. I I've been a co-founder of two small outsourcing agencies in Russia. I've co-organized two local IT conferences. Then I switched back to freelancing, moved to Serbia, and finally seven months ago I joined GitLab. So are you in Russia right now? No, I moved to Serbia. So now I live here for two years already. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so you said you're a Ruby developer. Are, do you do any kind of development in any other languages or it's strictly Ruby? Uh, before switching to Ruby, I used to program in PHP, but now it's when I program, it's mostly Ruby. Is there any any reasons for that? Uh, I don't know. I just like just a preference. Well, yeah, yeah, kind of. Awesome. So um, I do want to get your uh, your contact information. So um, if people enjoy this episode and want to get in touch with you, are you on Twitter? Yeah, sure. So what is your Twitter handle? And I'll go ahead and add it to the show notes as well at the end. It is INM. INM. All right, perfect. I will I will get that from you as well at the end. Uh, so let's let's jump right into the topic of this particular podcast episode. What is uh, continuous integration? I, I hear this term a lot. I've recently started getting into it myself. Um, I'm a little late at the game, but maybe you can give us some background on what that means. Yeah, sure. Uh, I recently spent almost two months exploring uh, possibilities uh, and features of GitLab CI. So, and I wrote to an introductory blog post on it. So uh, I can uh, give you a little, uh, a short introduction into the topic. So personally, I actually don't like this term. Uh, if you look at Wikipedia, it says continuous integration is the practice of merging all developer working copies to a shared mainline several times a day. I think the roots of, of CI lies in Java world and uh, where they had to develop big applications and th those big applications were split into several components and they had and you had to compile those 
separate parts and uh, tie them together to make sure that everything works uh, properly. And I even think that first practitioners of CI were doing this kind of stuff manually. But today, I think there is no need to convince people that like that things like automated test- testing and version control are good. Those are like a new, in new rea- reality, you don't need to uh, convince people to use it. Everybody already uses it. So, so I find that terms like continuous integration, continuous deployment, and continuous delivery are a bit confusing today. Because if we look at modern CI systems, everything they do is they just automate some commands execution. Like I think it would be much easier to to say that modern continuous integration system are just helping you to automate your uh, workflow. Sure. So um, you mentioned the, uh, that many developers uh, use CI to kind of um, work with bits and pieces of their code rather than bringing it into one upstream, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is that so when 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 this event is happening, is this testing only or is there some kind of build process or or what exactly happens in this process? That uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, of course, people there are like mm, I can say there are three major things which are usually done using CI systems. First of all, it's uh, automated testing. Uh, second you can build different different kind of packages if you have a compiled language or you need to build some kind of package like uh, Linux distributive or something like this. And uh, people also use CI system for deployment as well. But it's not limited with with it. You can like you can use you can use CI system to call some external API to I don't know to run some to execute some code uh, quality tools and stuff like this. So I think there are no limitations actually. Sure. So if we take a, a step back and we're using one of these uh, continuous automation tools, is that what you like to prefer to refer them as continuous automation? Well, I think we should still we should still uh, call them continuous integration tools, but I think we just uh, agree that the meaning of uh, original continuous integration thing is now different. Sure. Yeah. So, so uh, if we take a step back and look at CI, um, mm-hmm. how how exactly does it do these these different events that you mentioned? How how does it come together to accomplish these tasks? Maybe tell so the story. You, yeah, if you talk about the mechanics, how how it works, usually there is a uh, there is a central application which has access to your repository, and uh, whenever you push something, you push some changes to your repository, it triggers uh, a build, and there are runners connected to that application, and Runner is an actual um, process which executes the instructions you specified. And they can be launched actually uh, on the different places. They can be launched on the same machine, on the real 
server under your table, on your laptop, or on some inside some Docker container in the cloud. So when the results, uh, when the execution is completed, then the results are collected by the central application. So you can see the status and the detailed report and stuff like this. And if if there are some packages generation, you can download them. So let me get if, let me let me try to understand this. So the continuous integration server itself is just for displaying this aggregate information, whereas the runners actually do all the work. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. And then the more runners you have, would you say it, it, it's faster or does having more runners accomplish different tasks? You can actually, with more runners, you can parallelize the execution of your tasks. Sure. Wow. That's, that sounds pretty good. Um, when it comes to developing, because this is this is kind of, would, I don't know, would you say that this is strictly for developers or do other outside, like outside of the development spectrum, uh, use uh, continuous integration? Uh, that's a good question. Ideally, I think not only developers can benefit from CI and some systems, um, some tools provide uh, a similar functionality to CI system to, for example, writers. I don't remember the name of the site, but, uh, well, it allows you to to write a book in Markdown or some similar, like, uh, language, and it compiles you a, a book, a PDF book or some other format, and under the hood, it uses mechanics which are similar to CI system, and you can actually do the same with the GitLab CI, for example, or other CI system. Sure. So from a developer standpoint, uh, let's let's try to stick in that realm because I'm a developer myself. I don't mm-hmm. I don't have too much knowledge on the other realms. But from a developer perspective, uh, what kind of uh, development technologies are usually supported when it comes to uh, CI? You mean languages? And... Yeah, yeah. So say I say I'm developing a Node.js application. Mm-hmm. Uh, could I use it? Uh, in some kind of CI pipeline? Well, I believe that most of modern CI tools are actually technology agnostic, so they don't really care what kind of stuff I'm going to execute inside. So, And, and can you explain yeah. why that is possible? Why it's possible to be agnostic when it comes to uh, what, what technologies you use? Yeah, sure. Uh, for... If we talk about GitLab CI, you can you can use Docker images to run to execute your uh, your jobs. So you can just uh, choose any Docker image, and this Docker image can be for Node.js stuff, for Ruby stuff, for Java stuff, and it can be even your custom Docker image. So you just specify that image, you list your commands which should be executed, and that's it. So if you don't want to go into details no 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 that, that's good so i haven't i haven't talked about docker on my podcast before so i'll probably save that for another episode um but it, it does make sense being able to spin up a new new container for every task that you want to be able to accomplish right yeah yeah so when it comes to uh continuous integration though are there any scenarios where it might make sense to not use it where it might be better to just do things locally or does it always make sense that when you do something locally, it uh, should always be done uh, through some of this uh, continuous integration platforms? 
Well, uh, I can't come up with an idea. With a situation, with a situation when uh, it is more, it is it is better to launch something uh, locally. Sure. I think everything you you can. Well, maybe if it if it's if it doesn't make sense to to automate if you're about to execute it really like a couple of times. Maybe it doesn't work to spend time configuring CI. But again, with modern CI system, it's it's really easy to start with. So you can like automate really some not complicated tasks like in a minute. Sure. And yeah, I definitely want to touch on this uh, when we get into the GitLab aspect of this mm-hmm. particular episode because I've personally used GitLab uh, on numerous occasions. I use it uh, frequently, and and yeah, it definitely sums up what you just said. But before we get there. Um, you mentioned um, when I'm uh, going back to what you said earlier about uh, bringing the bits and pieces of of, a, of an application together. Um, is is CI uh, only valuable when working with a team? Is it does it make sense to use it um, when you're a solo developer? I think that even if you're the only developer in the project, automated test execution uh, or site generation and deployment will save uh, will save you some time every day. Like uh, but uh, the 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 important thing that it also save you some brain fuel. Like you don't need to remember uh, after after you implemented some feature or wrote an article. You don't need to keep in mind that okay now I had to run this and this and this command in order to deploy something. You can just when you delegate this job to the CI system. You do just you just push your stuff to repository and forget about it, and it just executed. And and if something goes wrong, you'll get notified. So, I'll, I'll change the topic just slightly a little bit. Um, when mm-hmm. I was first looking at uh, continuous integration, I was I was often deterred from it uh, because I, honestly, my my ability to write uh, unit tests or things like that were were very poor. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any? best practices uh, that developers should follow to be very successful in what they do uh, with continuous integration or maybe make it easier for them? Uh, I don't think I have an uh, answer for your question. I, but uh, I think you should just start using CI. Just, just spend, spend uh, a couple of hours to learn about some CI system. It's really... I know that a lot of de- developers um kind of had kind of scary experience with one of the old school uh might might have have an, an, a scary experience with one of the old school ci team systems like jenkins and uh, most of the modern um, ci systems are much easier to configure and require no time to um to start working with it Sure. What what's the best kind of gateway that uh, developers should get into first? Because you mentioned you could use uh, CI for testing, for deployment, for building. What is the best way for 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 a developer to get started with it? Like just just to try to start learning about it. Where should they start? Uh, I think you should. It, it depends. Of, it depends, of course, on what kind of stuff you're working on. Sure. It might be some. Your personal website deployment, for example, it's sure. just really simple thing or very simple test automation script. 
All right, so start small then, right? Yeah. So let's let's bring this story into GitLab uh, because GitLab offers a CI tool. I know a lot of other um, Git repository services offer CI tools as well, uh, but I actually started using GitLab CI and I, I've personally enjoyed it. But I want to mm-hmm. let you kind of explain what it is and what it offers that makes it so great. Well, first of all, GitLab CI is a part of GitLab, as you mentioned, and it's free and open source. It means you can have it inside your own company behind firewall and do not expose your information outside. So, yeah, it's it was a separate product and it... It was merged into the main pro- pro- product uh, a year ago. So, uh, so just to give some background on GitLab yeah. in case uh, people have not heard of it before, uh, this is a free-to-use uh, service for. Is there's a enterprise tier and a community edition? Is that am I correct? Maybe you want to explain just a l- little background on GitLab first. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so first of all, GitLab, GitLab started as an alternative to existing code hosting solutions five years ago. And yeah, as an open source alternative. And these days, there is a community edition, which is completely open source. And uh, everybody can, as I said, can run it on your own server. And there is an enterprise edition, which which uh, is useful for big companies like more than 100 developers, for example. And there is a GitLab.com, which is a hosted version of Enterprise Edition, and it is completely free for everybody. There are no limitations for uh, for number of projects for, or for number of users in projects, and we allow you to create any number of private and, and public repositories. And CI is also free on GitLab.com. Sure. So, so say say somebody wanted to try this out and they wanted to start using GitLab, so they don't need to download anything in order to use GitLab CI, right? Not if they don't. Yeah, want they to. can. Yeah, they can just register on GitLab.com, create a project, and yeah. And if you're if you're talking about starting to use GitLab CI, you just need to create one file: GitLab uh, GitLab CI.yaml, and this is. This is a difference from the tools like Jenkins, where in Jenkins you had to go through uh, a lot of interfaces and uh, specify uh, your your jobs there. With GitLab, everything you need to do is to put your instructions in this single file and push push them to your repository, and sure. that's it. So you you mentioned earlier that uh, a cool feature of GitLab CI was that it used Docker uh, containers to to work with the runners, right? Yes. So does it offer anything else that's particularly cool or interesting in comparison? I won't I won't have you compare other tools because maybe you've not used any other tools, but just something that's re- that you find really cool or interesting. Well, I'm not really experienced uh, user of Docker, uh, but I don't know. I can mention that in GitLab, we have a Docker container registry built into the GitLab. So if you're using Docker, you can build your images with uh, with GitLab, like host them uh, on GitLab and use them to 
to run your builds. So if you're a big fan of Docker, you can like use Docker for everything. Sure, yeah, Docker seems to be popping up for everything. So I definitely, I'll probably revisit this in another episode. Um, when it comes to, I'm sure you've seen a lot of things that people are, are doing uh, with their repositories or their continuous integration. Have you seen, what's the most complex thing that you've seen when it comes to CI? I think one of the most complex uh, configura- CI configurations I've seen is our uh, GitLab Community Edition project. Uh, and uh, another example is our Omnibus uh, repository, Omnibus project repository. So you're saying that uh, the GitLab Community Edition uh, goes through the GitLab CI whenever you're yeah. uh, getting ready yeah, for we actually We're actually using GitLab for to build GitLab, like actually for everything. That's pretty interesting. And and can you are you able to tell us what kind of um, things ha- go through that process of of testing or deploying uh, GitLab Community Edition? Just what what goes through for that workflow? Uh, it's a bit tricky. Uh, the 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 thing is that. Oh, let me think. Yeah, just I mean, what makes it so complex? Um, versus, uh, I know that it's a, a much larger project uh, than, say, if I were to spin up just a web application. Um, but is there anything else other than its size that makes it particularly complex of a scenario? Yeah, the main the main trick about uh, GitLab Community Edition is that there are a lot of tests, and uh, since it is a Ruby on Rails applications, those these tests are uh, require a lot of time to to run. So the problem which is uh, being solved by uh, in this project is the test parallelization. So we use uh, a tool called Knapsack for for this, um, and it allows you to it detects the uh, detects uh, the best way to parallelize your tests. And allows you to do it. So it's yeah, it's really tricky. And but if you're curious, I encourage you to take a look at uh, at the repository. I believe we can post a link. Uh, yeah, any links to, that you give me, I will share um, on the show notes for sure. Great, great. Um, so, do you have any last minute words of wisdom uh, for anyone that might be looking to try? Um, a CI tool, or maybe they're already using one and, and maybe they don't know if they're using it correctly. Is there any kind of um, encouraging uh, thoughts that you can that you can pass out at the end of this podcast? I don't know, actually. No? That's all right. That's all right. So yeah. uh, I, I do appreciate you taking the time out of your day uh, to be on this episode to talk about GitLab CI and just continuous integration in general. Um, I'm sure that the listeners will get a lot of value out of the material from today. I hope so. (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot, uh, Ivan. Yeah, thank you. That was Ivan Nemichenko from GitLab telling us all about continuous integration and deployment. Uh, So if you're somebody who has never heard of this term before or very new to it, you can see that it's very beneficial to add as part of your application development uh, workflow. If you have any questions regarding this podcast episode, either for Ivan or myself, uh, please go ahead and go to the polyglotdeveloper.com slash podcast 
hyphen questions. There should be a form there that you can fill out and we'll either answer it through email or answer it on the next episode of the Polyglot Developer Podcast. If you're listening to this episode from a network like iTunes or another network that allows for ratings and reviews, it would mean a lot to me if you went in and left it a five-star rating and then said something nice about the podcast itself so that way other future listeners can get an idea on what it's about or what you enjoyed about it so that way uh, they can further their uh, technical education. And that concludes episode number 11.